Please be seated. I want to thank you for coming out this morning. You know, you're not alone here. There are about a billion humans on this planet right now who are observing this very day. And that's just counting this planet. There are myriads of others in heaven in glory who are also recognizing this great event. And therefore, we join with a great cloud of witnesses. As the pastor of this church, I want to thank those of you who honored my fairly strong-handed request that we really walk through this Holy Week by participating in everything. We had uh, record attendance on Thursday and Friday for Good Friday. And I used the metaphor of being sort of like a coach, and the coach says, hey, it's, it's playoff season. We need to be all in. So I guess that makes this the Super Bowl this morning. But I also, um, maybe you missed Lent and, and just got busy and whatever, and you weren't able to be here. That's all right, because I'm going to recount for all of us where we are in this story, because this is kind of a, 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 a second part. So we're, we need to be caught up to where we were. Last week, we walked in here waving palm branches in the air and declaring that Jesus was the King. And we left the service with those palm branches bent into the shape of a cross because he comes to be the king not through ease or through pleasure, but through sacrifice. And then we came on Thursday night, on Maundy Thursday, and we heard about his new commandment to love others as he loved us. And he modeled it for the disciples by washing their feet. The kind of love of our God is a self-sacrificing love. And then we saw that most powerfully on Friday night as we entered into the darkness of Good Friday. And through word and song and various props, we went from bright lights down to darkness, and the service ended with an unresolved chord. We walked out of here in silence and darkness and had a heaviness of heart. And so there's finally a a release of that tension as we come in and say, Alleluia, he's risen. I can relax now. It's like the story is fulfilled. And I, maybe like many of you, spent about 36 hours feeling a little weird like it just kind of hanging there. What do you do on Holy Saturday? Well, as, as a family, we decide to go to the movies. There's a good movie out there called Do You Believe? And we went and saw this movie, and we're really, really blessed by it. It was a powerful story that looked at 12 different people, 12 different individuals, and how God was at work in their lives. And if, if I could take away one statement from that, it is this. People who believe in Jesus do bold things for him. And that's not only true today, it's true for 2,000 years. And 2,000 years ago, a very bold woman, Mary Magdalene, did some things that got her into all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all recognized this woman, Mary Magdalene, was present there at the resurrection. In fact, she is the first person that ever saw Jesus in his resurrected form, which is a really powerful thing to think about. Mary Magdalene isn't really, we don't know a lot about her. She's in Luke's gospel in chapter 8. It tells us there that Jesus had delivered seven demons from her, presumably all at once, and that she was a woman of means. And she and a number of other women provided for Jesus' ministry financially. So she's a wealthy woman who had been set free from spiritual oppression and then began to follow Jesus wherever he went. She was one of his closest disciples. And so she begins to do bold things. For instance, when the other disciples were afraid and had scattered Mary Magdalene was there at the cross. She wasn't afraid of the Romans. She wasn't afraid of the Jews. She stood there and watched her Lord die with a couple of others and the Apostle John. But most people had run away. 
And then when they were waiting, after he was buried and they were waiting, all of the disciples were locked. They were locked in an upper room because they were afraid. So first light on Easter morning, she goes. She's not afraid. She leaves the safety of their little, their little wherever they were, and she goes out to the tomb and says very early while it was still dark. She, again, was not afraid at all. She was bold. Now, let me pause for a minute here because there are some who are afraid of what it would mean for them if what this book has in it was true. It would mean your life changes because it has to change. And so there are people who want to discard, disregard. They want to discredit and tear apart this book. But here's one of these, and there are a number of these, one of the very small things I think that lends great credibility to this as a testimony to God. If, as some say, several hundred years later, people made up stories about the resurrection to somehow validate what the disciples had said, do you think they would have had a woman be the first witness to the resurrection? And in those days, her testimony wasn't even admissible in court. And do you think they would have had a woman being brave at the cross and brave at the tomb when all the men were hiding in behind locked doors for fear? No, that's not how you'd write it. You would make them all look like superheroes right? And that's not the story. And so, how is it that she ends up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John here? Well, the best explanation is because she was there, as it says. That's what happened. Now, here's what, here's what goes on that morning. She goes to the tomb, and when she gets there, it's open. Now, I want to put a, a picture up here on the, on the screen, and this is a, a picture of a current uh, replica that's made in the Middle East, in Jerusalem. And that is kind of what those tombs looked like. And, and there are about a thousand of these that have been dug up in archaeological digs of that period. Um, and so there's a huge stone. And when she got there, that's what she saw. Stone was rolled back. It was still dark, so she couldn't quite see in there. She glanced in, couldn't see anything. So she runs back to the other disciples and tells Peter and John and the others. So they run to the tomb. They get there, and she comes back as they're already running. She's on her way. And once they go back home, marveling at what had happened, she remains there. And she's just kind of grieving and confused, and she's weeping. And she looks down in the tomb, and there are two angels in there. But whether or not she knows they're angels, I don't know. There are two men sitting right in there where Jesus' body was. And, And she begins to have a dialogue with them. And as this happens, Jesus shows up behind her. And she hears him, and, and he says, you know, what are you looking for? Why are you weeping? And, and she doesn't realize it's him, and it, probably because she's distracted with two angels, and thinks he's the gardener. And then he does something that he still does today. He called her by name. And when he said Mary, then she knew, and she turned around, and she, clink, she, she, she hugged him, and, and I guess clung, is that the word? Clung onto him. And was holding on to him, and he said, don't, don't cling to me because I am ascending to the Father. You see, the relationship had to change, and it's different for us now like it was after he ascended. You can't just see Jesus. I would love to see him. You can't just go give him a hug. I would love to go give him a hug, but we can't. Now, he's here by his Spirit, but he has ascended bodily into heaven, and so the relationship changes. So, we've got a bold woman here who then becomes the first missionary. Jesus says, now go and tell my brothers that I've risen and I'm going to come see them as I promised. So she's commissioned to go. Now, think about this for a minute. This is the Christian testimony of everybody who knows the Lord. 
they come to know the Lord and begin to do bold things for Him. Maybe the first bold thing is simply praying a prayer of repentance and asking Him to be their Lord. But then what happens is Jesus meets them on the way. Bold people, people who know Jesus, do bold things for Him, and then Jesus meets them on the way and calls them by name and invites them into a deeper relationship with Him. That is the testimony of every Christian. And you know why? Because He's alive. He is here. He is alive and risen and is busy doing things. It's not just some story that was made up. It's not something that was static. It's dynamic. He is still building his church. The reason that one out of six humans on this planet believe in him is because he has called them, and they were bold in following him, and he meets them along the way and continues to encourage. This is a powerful thing. Now, let me address two groups of people briefly. There are those of us here who are unsure. Maybe we're frustrated because we've prayed a prayer, we've asked the Lord to come into our lives, and we don't hear Him calling us. We don't see Him. We wonder where He is. I want to encourage you to persevere with what you know is true. Look at the story again, invite Him to come into your life, and start looking at the circumstances around your life. God moves. He moves in the lives of His people through circumstances and through His Word. When you start to read this book, the Holy Spirit convicts you of its truth, and He speaks to you. I know some people who really want to hear from God. They really want God to speak to them, and they go looking for His Word apart from His Word. He's already given us His Word. Look at it, and what will happen is you will begin to be convicted of the truth of this. You will start to hear for the first time Jesus speaking to you, or maybe for the thousandth time. Now, if you're a believer if you already know the Lord, you've been walking with Him, I want to encourage you to not settle for mediocrity. I want you to press in and expect more, not less. Because He's alive and He's building His kingdom, He invites bold action. What would you do for the Lord? What would He have you do? I want to invite you to pursue Him. And just like Mary Magdalene, as you begin to pursue Him out of faith, He will meet you along the way, and you will start to have a whole list of testimonies of what God has done, where He's intersected your life. Ask someone who's walked with the Lord for a long time, have you ever seen Jesus? And the answer is both yes and no. If you mean, have I physically seen Him? No, I haven't yet. But if you ask if I've seen Him, um, I've seen Him in His hand. I've seen Him in the way that He moves, the way that He works. I can tell you personal testimonies of things He's done in my life and a dozen other people. Anyone who knows the Lord Jesus knows that He does this. I wonder, maybe for some of you, if he's not already been moving, which is why you're sitting in this room right now. He's already intersected your life, and something in the circumstances has caused you to be sitting in this church right now. Consider that. I want to invite you to start praying, and praying boldly, asking for him, asking for him to change your life. Because he's alive and risen, he does that. He does it often, and he still does it today. That is why the church is going to continue to grow and get stronger and stronger throughout the world. And as I said when I started, we we are with a great cloud of witnesses, so we're not alone in this. There are many people, many people who know this to be true, and their faith will encourage you in your faith. And so this morning, as we reflect on the significance of this resurrection, let's let our faith be kindled into a strong and burning fire. Let's be people who are bold and go and do bold things for the Lord. He's commissioned not just Mary Magdalene, but all who know him to go and be witnesses to his resurrection. 
Have you seen the Lord Jesus? I have. Would you pray with me? Lord, this morning we are here to celebrate that you are alive. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us the gift of faith, that you would help our unbelief. I pray, Lord, for boldness. I pray for the joy of the Lord to be our strength. I ask that we would experience your peace. I pray for courage. I pray, Lord, that you would nourish us from your table this day and that we wouldn't go away the same, even if we've known you for a long time, but we would go away changed people because we have gazed upon your beauty, that we have beheld you in your temple. I ask this in your holy name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand and join with Christians down through the ages.